I have come to lead you to the other shore, into eternal darkness, into fire, and into ice. Welcome to St. Paxton, a narrative real play podcast created by friends to explore humanity and endure horror. A world where you can try anything. Hey everyone, welcome back to St. Paxton. I am your game master, Veronica. I'm Stacy, and I play Bellamy. I'm Michael, and I play Todd B. And I'm Steph, and I play Clara. My name is Fred, and I play Edward Worthington III. That really handsome fellow. The snack. The, the snack. <laughs> <laughs> With no further ado, let's get back into the episode. Todd. You feel really warm and it's almost like this warmth is spreading all over you at one time. And it seems to be coming from a central point on your body. This warmth is just radiating out. And you feel that maybe the tops of your shoulders are pretty chilly. Your nose is quite cold. But this warmth, it just invites you in. I would like to reach towards or feel my body where this warmth is at. Mm. You realize that you're so cold. You're urinating all over yourself uh, in an effort to warm your body. When I realize that I'm laying in pee, I will kind of be like, oh, 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 all right. (laughs) Woof. That's, uh, that's not what I want to be in. Wow, it's really cold. As you look around you, you see a really cute patio. Uh, There are just really beautiful Edison bulbs lit all around you. uh, And you are covered in a mound of patio cushions and blankets. It's like a little Todd mountain, but your head is the tip of that mountain and all around you is covered in snow why am I out here I was doing something oh god I look to my hand when you look at your hand you see that the entire arm, the forearm, all the way down to your fingertips is this really dark purple color. I poke at it, see if I feel any sensation, and try to move my my hand and fingers. When you poke at it, you do feel some sort of sensation, but it doesn't feel like touch at all. It feels more like something in the room with you. So, you know, when someone just kind of steps into the room and you can feel their presence, that's more the feeling that you get opposed to touch. Okay, I need to, I need to get warm and, uh, wash this off or something. I will go to the door and see if it is open. The door is unlocked. I will step inside. When you step inside, you hear your friends and they're talking. But there's a bathroom that's pretty close by if you wanted to hop in there. Yeah, I will go get fixed up first. Clara... On your own, you're just kind of sitting in the corner. You hear the door open and close. I'll look over and see who it is. You poke your head out of the library and you see Todd as he walks into the bathroom and 
closes the door behind him. And do I feel the same sense of dread as I did before when his arm was all dark? Well, you're pretty far away from him, so no. Okay. And it does his arm appears different? You didn't catch that. Okay. I think I'll stay where I am and just kind of watch for him and wait for him to come out. Okay. Todd, once you're in the bathroom, you see that it's set up just like a a very normal bathroom. It has soap, a shower, towels, things of that nature. I will run the shower. Okay. And get the water not terribly hot, because that would hurt if I'm frostbitten. It does take a while for the water to get comfortable to the touch for you, but eventually it gets there. Are you taking a shower or a bath? A uh, shower. Okay. And then I will grab the soap and I will try to wash that purple stain off of my arm. Okay. Um, you lather up and paying special attention to your left arm, you rub the soap in and you feel it absorbing into your skin. It's just kind of like you're taking on something extra, but it doesn't wash away. You can tell that the pigment of the skin is completely different. I will reach into um, my bag and grab out a knife and I just want to prick the end of my index finger on my left hand. You take out your knife and you prick your finger and you feel this sensation of letting something out of you like you would expect there to be a drop of blood that would trickle down your finger and would probably hit the floor or through the path of least resistance would trickle down your arm but as you prick your finger and you pull the knife away from your flesh a small purple dot wells up and as though gravity doesn't exist at all it is sucked up and hits the ceiling and another drop is sucked up and another purple splat hits the ceiling I will run my hand quickly under the water to wash the purple away. You brush your finger underneath the water and you watch as the water just kind of becomes this light or a lilac color and swirls down the drain. I want to continue to watch the purple drop on the ceiling. You see that the purple drops on the ceiling, they didn't hit in the exact same place. They hit in, you know, slightly different spaces. And they seem to be rolling toward one another as though they are attracted to each other. And then they make a bigger bubble or splat. Is the ceiling high enough for me to reach it? High or low to reach the ceiling? Um, low, because I want it to be low. The ceilings are crazy high. In fact, it seems like they hit a point of the ceiling that was sort of close to the wall. And now those droplets are moving up towards a very high peak in the ceiling. And there's a vent. And... They just get sucked into the vent and they're gone. Does it leave any residue on the ceiling? It does not. Ooh, that's creepy. 
I will finish washing up and making sure that I keep my thumb on my index finger to make sure it doesn't bleed whatever the heck that stuff is anymore. And then I will get out of the shower and dry off. You do so. You bandage yourself up with a little band-aid that's underneath the bathroom sink. And there are no more droplets that make their way to the ceiling and then crawl into the vent. Do I have any change of clothes? Because I don't... Did I change my robes originally? Yes, I did, because they were nicer. Mm-hmm. So, do I have mm-hmm. my old robes? You do not, but there is a really nice, soft, white, fluffy bathrobe on the back of the door. Excellent. I will don that, and then I will wrap my left arm in a towel. Okay. Just, like, drape it over it so, like, it's not wrapped, but just concealed. You all hear as Todd takes maybe a 15-minute shower, and then you hear the door open, and... The steam rolls out of the bathroom and Todd steps out. Uh, hey, Todd, you okay? Uh, yeah, I'm, uh, oh my gosh, what, um, yeah, it was bad. Um did 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 you make your eye invisible? <laughs> I made all of me invisible and saw some really bad things I don't want to talk about and um lost my eye. Uh I was trying to save you. <laughs> so, yay. So, um Clara believes that she says all of these things. But She just seems to be mumbling and making weird, shaking jerks with her head and neck. And then she looks very aggressively at your arm and just sort of cocks her head and drool drips from the side of her mouth. Bellamy, things have gone real bad. You're seeing into a different life, and you remember all of these things about this woman, Lavinia. You know a lot now about her lover's past, and your head is splitting after being trapped in the book for so long and having these memories just forced into your brain. And now Todd has arrived looking very relaxed in a spa-like white robe, very clean hair and face. And Clara is a mumbling bumbling idiot with drool dripping out of her mouth now. Oh, God. Oh, it's too much. Oh, my God. Do you have anything for, like, a really bad headache? Uh, yeah. Yeah, I should. No, talk quieter. Um. And why do you look like that? What? What is that? Um... Oh, look, out of my clothes were dirty, so I changed. What happened to Clara? You, you happened to Clara. God, she tried to help you, and then she came out like this. I think I'll be fine. Maybe I just need to go to the hospital. Clara's lower lip drops down and she makes this weird 
shape with her mouth and just screams or not even screams, makes this guttural moan at all of you. Clara, uh, nobody is understanding you. You smell like death. Rude? You have to go somewhere. Just, oh, I can't deal with this in my head right now. I just immediately turn around and leave the room. Todd, Todd, you said you had something over my head. Yes, I'm gonna... in, in the bathroom. Edward. Clara, now a moaning, shambling monster of a human with one really good eye, I guess, starts moaning after them. Jonathan looks at you, Edward, and just exasperated. Uh, I'm I'm going back to bed. And he shuffles out of the room. You are now alone in the room with the book at long last. I open the book. You open the book and you're able to read all of these really great stories about Lavinia and Jonathan, Lavinia's horrible father. But you get to an area of the book that is a little bit further than what Bellamy experienced. And you see a drawing of a man. It's the same man that you spoke to at Clara's town hall meeting where she made all of the Dole Whip. And you see that he looks exactly the same, but the dated photo is something like 70 years old. Isn't that Mr. Watley? But this picture says... 70 years ago? Well, I mean, I guess time is different here. You flip the page and you see this really horrific looking creature. It's one that you've seen before. It's the creature that was inside Leo's. And it's a really rapid, like, sketch of this creature. So it's not super detailed, but you can see the reptilian legs. You can see the long tail. Um, You can see its fur and its tentacled abdomen with its disgusting teethy maul in the middle. Is there any passages on the creature itself or maybe how to deal with it or to gain information on any weaknesses on the very intricate drawing of the human person you see there is a symbol on this person's wrist but like not the inside of the wrist the outside of their wrist and you've definitely seen this before And you flip the book over so you can look at its cover and you see that a piece of this leather or skin book cover is that exact same symbol. So now I'm seeing Nicholas Watley. He's got this symbol on his wrist and I see the same symbol on the book. Have I seen this symbol anywhere else? You have not. Under more pages if you want to continue flipping to see if there's any sort of explanation or any further information that you might gather from the book because if you remember correctly this book needed to be translated and now you're just able to flip through it and read it but the longer you're in the book the less you're able to sort of put these pieces together And you kind of come to this realization that you might be running out of time wherein you can actually read the symbols and what's actually in this book. As I 
flip through the pages, is there anything that strikes out to me as maybe something important that I want to learn about so that I can focus the time that I have left with the book? You do. You notice that there is a lot of talk of feeding on these notes. And this is where the book becomes more of a journal and detailing what the author knows about these two sons. And the book details that both the monster and the human son absorb some other vital substance from their victims, such as brain tissue, organs, bone marrow, skin, intestines. And that's how they feed. Is there any information on the names of the children? Like, would it be Jonathan Crandall's children? So, I mean, is there any information that could let me know more about these two brothers or the two sons? High or low for favorable results? Always high. As you're kind of racing to the back of this book where information becomes more and more difficult to understand and see, you understand that victims of the monstrous sun emit a very foul odor. And at the very end of this book, one of the authors says that they have finally understood, they know what has happened, and that these are the spawn of Yogg-Sothoth. Got it. it <clears throat> would, I, would I know, would I be able to find out maybe in the beginning or maybe through some passage that I've read who the authors are of this book? You understand, as you're kind of remembering what sort of led you here and why all of this terrible, horrific stuff has happened, you remember that you were given this book and it seems like this is penned by the three blood witches. Got it. Got it. You begin feeling like you're sharing information with someone else as your hand is resting on the book you get this sense that something something is watching you from inside the book but it's like it's a magnetic force that makes you want to try to step into the book. I mean, at this point, I think I realize that I've probably been drawn to this book for longer than I should have spent. And my personal like reaction would be to take my hands off the book and close the book. As you do this, you lose two stability points. I will join the rest of my friends. Clara, you know how sometimes when you wake up from a nap and you open your eyes and there's like these little floaty fuzzies just hanging out in your eyes a little bit and you just have to blink mm -hmm. them out? You see that out of your one eye and... It's really weird. They're not like black or white or any color you've seen before, but you see these kind of magenta spots obscuring your vision. And then very quickly, you see something dart across the room, but you feel it as it darts across the surface of your eye. 
and you feel it enter your tear duct and wiggle down. I'm gonna start screaming and like rubbing at my face trying to it's like trying to see if I can feel it under my skin or something. Okay. Everyone you watch as Clara who is sitting at the counter just watching a conversation between Bellamy and Todd as they're kind of bringing each other up to date on their own shared experiences and she begins clawing at her at her eye and just rubbing against it everyone roll something you may choose what to determine if you are able to see this thing. I have sense trouble. Okay, that's actually great. I would like to put a point into it. <laughs> okay, you need a four or higher. All right. Oh my gosh, four, so five. Okay. You see out of the corner of your eye as Claire is pressing against her tear duct. And it's almost like someone that has really bad allergies and they're just sort of pressing to make the pressure go to a different side of their face. But then like when she pulls her hand away, you see this really thin, almost imperceptible string of purple snot. And it looks like the exact same color as those droplets that came out of your body. And then it just kind of sucks back into her eye and you notice it wiggling. And it seems, from what you understand, a little malicious. Um. Uh, Bellamy? I th- I think I think Clara needs some help. I I I I think there's something bad in her. I, did you see? Did you see the thing in her hand? You're looking at me strange. My head hurts. Why would I be looking around? And yes, she needs help. She smells bad, and she lost an eye. Edward. When Bellamy says she smells bad, it kind of brings that thought of the really foul-smelling person who's been infected. Do I smell it as well? You do. Wait. It smells like sweet, decaying meat. Wait, Bellamy, what did you say? Which part? Something about... Clara's smelling bad? Yes, she smells like death. Can't you smell her? It's it's really strong. I, yeah, I, I mean, I thought I smelled something. Oh, but it's your girlfriend. I thought it was from the battle. Uh, well, Bellamy, you, you don't have to. I think she's all of so our friends. Rude. Yeah. I, Edward, we we need to get her somewhere. There's there's. Wait, hold on. I I just read about this. I was reading the book and it said that the victims emit a smell after they've been attacked or something has been taken from them. The lights in the house begin to flicker and you all feel this coldness rush in and you hear locking doors all around the house. Clara, your body sort of stiffens. And then your head, for whatever reason, just sort of becomes limp on your neck and you slam it into the kitchen counter and you are rendered unconscious. The rest of you watch as Clara's 
body begins kind of convulsing and there's this purple goo that comes out of her eyes and this snaky like creature very small very thin but very fast starts darting between her eye into her nose and then it'll pop out of her mouth and then it heads down into her cleavage where you see underneath her robes this thing as it grows and you hear this like sucking sound as it starts attaching to her body and each time you hear the sucking sound her body like sort of jumps as though she's a marionette and someone has pulled her string I would like to try to grab it with my left hand You all watch as Todd unsheathes his left hand that has until this point been covered by a small towel and his arm is no longer flesh colored. It is a really dark purple color and he has this bandage, but the bandage seems to be covered by this goopy purple substance. And now that it is out in the open, it begins to stretch itself from Todd's finger onto Clara. And you see as both of them become tangled in this web of goo and yuck. Bellamy's gonna leave. I don't, I don't think she has anything left in her. She's running out the door and probably screaming despite the head pain. As you open your mouth to scream and you make your way to the door, you realize that the door is locked. You cannot make your fingers work because now something has grasped onto the inside of your cheek and is pulling you in the direction of Todd and Clara. But as you turn around, there's no purple substance there, but you do feel a very hard push and you start tumbling toward your two friends. Edward, you may roll any appropriate roll to save Bellamy from being entangled in the purple goo. I will definitely use athletics and try to kind of tackle Bellamy in the opposite direction. So I'll see her bodily kind of like hurtling back towards us and Without even really thinking, I just go to, like, kind of grab her. You need a four or higher. I'll use two points of athletics. Okay. Uh, That's a four, so that would be a six. Okay. As you tackle Bellamy to the ground, when your body hits the floor, you hear this vibration on the wooden floors as something steps closer but not to you, to your friends. Edward, as you open your eyes and you look in the direction of Clara and Todd, Clara's eyes open and it looks like she's too scared to do anything more than contort her face and breathe very heavily. And you watch as the monster, the monster from the book, takes her in its tentacled arms and begins pulling it toward its stomach. Todd, you feel this sensation of being lifted up. Who has that gun with the crazy bullets? Oh, shit. Wait a minute. As far as I know, I kept it. I had the death ray. Okay. Immediately upon seeing the creature, I yell out, Crandall! Get the fuck out here! And then I run towards Clara and I grab the gun from Clara. You do not have a gun. You all changed into your robes. 
So you've yelled for Crandall, and you hear him trying to get out of his room, but the door is sealed. It's locked. He cannot get out. And you hear him yelling from the other side of the door, get out of the house, get out of the house. You hear laughter. From Crandall or from a different? No. Okay. It almost seems like it's echoing from the corners of the rooms. I look at Bellamy. I tell her to get out of the house. Find a window. Bellamy, get out. I'm going to get Clara and Todd. Just find some way to get out and wait for us there. I scramble to my feet and just run to the closest window and pick up something heavy and try to break it open. Okay, great. I would like you to roll fleeing. Okay. I rolled a six. You pick up um, the nearest chair and you hear something hit the floor and then you throw the chair through the window it bounces back hits you right in the chest but you are prepared for it there is nothing that's getting between you and the outside of this fucking house and so you catch that chair and you slam it with all of your might through the window the rest of you hear this crash as the chair exits the house through the window and Bellamy you now have the opportunity to find what's on the floor or jump out of the house I'm going out the window Bellamy as you are outside of the house you have a new sense of clarity you're able to shake off this painful headache that you've had and you see Jonathan Crandall as he's banging on the window in his room and you see the same guy that was talking to you on the street just outside of Leo's and he's inside the house with Crandall as well and you watch as Crandall gets thinner and thinner and then drops to the floor and then the shades are covered and then the shades are drawn so now hearing Bellamy safely exiting I gain a little confidence that one of my friends is safe my duty tells me that I cannot leave I will not leave my friends behind so I take the amulet around my neck and I use it to slash my palm opening up a deep gash I grab the amulet with my bloody hand I rip it off of my neck I hold it up in front of me as I walk towards the creature and towards Clara, and I say, I know you, spawn of Yogg-Sothoth. Be gone. You do not have power over us. You will not take my friends, and I will channel all of my energy into this amulet held in my bloody hand as I walk towards them. Clara and Todd, you watch as... Edward performs this crude rite in front of you and you feel yourselves drop on the floor. Todd, you have the wherewithal to notice that this purple substance is kind of leaking out of you and out of Clara, kind of following this invisible something and it seems to be streaking its way toward Edward. Both of you watch as Edward 
is sort of sucked into this void beginning in the middle of his chest and just sort of snapped in half backward. You hear the crunch of his spine as he's sucked into something along with all of the purple muck and yuck. And you hear no screams, no chewing, nothing. And then it's over in an instant. And all you see lying on the ground is a spinning, rocking amulet. No! 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 I would like to scoop up Clara and dash for the window. I'm reaching towards where Edward was as he's doing that. Roll fleeing. Three. You are unable to pick up Clara, who is clawing with everything she has to get to the spot where Edward was. Clara, you reach the amulet and it's almost like you were expecting something, like expecting a feeling or a comfort whenever you held on to his amulet, like this belonged to him. So therefore you would feel like you were with him when you got to this amulet, but there is no comfort. It's just cool. I'm going to hold it tight and kind of cradle it close to my chest. Um, Like maybe if I hold it tightly enough and put enough of my thoughts into it, maybe I can feel him or channel him or pull him out. Todd, you watch as Clara pulls this amulet to herself and you see her sort of blink in and out. And you know that something, something that's unstable is occurring around you. And then you watch as Clara disappears and the amulet falls to the ground. Do I get any sense of her getting to safety or or like is that like a negative thing? Am I getting anything from this situation? Or just poof, gone? Yeah, it's just a void. There's nothing. There's no sensation that you feel outside of confusion. Absolute confusion at the things that have occurred, but especially this. I would like to grab the amulet and then try to get out the window. As you grab the amulet, again, thinking like, okay, maybe if I touch the amulet, something, you know? But when you touch the amulet, there's nothing there, and you just feel... How do you feel, Todd? I am afraid and alone, in a room with something very frightening. Fear. A powerful emotion. An emotion that ignites us to action. 
an emotion that controls us and an emotion that drives us to do and say and think things that normally we wouldn't ever think, say, or do. Fear overcomes all of your senses. Bellamy, you stand outside in the snow and you see Jonathan Crandall's house explode in front of you. You are blown back from the debris. When you come to, you're pinned underneath a really large beam. You can try anything. I I want to try to move and at the same time I'm going to start calling for help. It's a very muffled scream sob. I don't think there's actual words. And then probably she just I just I just stop. You hear footsteps approaching. And something kneels beside you. And then you're looking into the eyes of a man. He looks very kind. And he puts his hands, cradles them around your face and says, It's okay. I'm here now. Do I recognize him? You recognize him like you've seen this person before, but you don't know him for sure. It almost seems like this person could be helper, a savior. They're very warm. You're going to be okay. I will move my face out of their hands uh, as much as I'm able to and look away from them and just say I will never be okay again. Just go away. You feel this horrible pain as this huge beam is lifted off of your legs. And he watches this man with unbelievable strength has just taken this huge piece of building material off of you. And he holds on to a necklace of some sort. There's like a leather strap around it. He holds on to it and he places his hand on what you're looking at looks like your really crushed hip and legs. And you kind of just fade in and out of consciousness 
as the pain of your bones and your ligaments and your muscles all just find their way back to the proper spot. And he hands you an amulet. You recognize it immediately as Edward's amulet. And he says, when you're ready to find your friends, call me. And that's where we're going to call it. No! I'm very confused! Oh my god! (laughs) I was shaking when, during that scene, I was like, physically shaking. I was like, this is such a bad idea, I should just go out the window, but Uh, no! It gave me chills, though, when you did that. I oh, got serious yeah. chills. Oh. All right, take a knee. We gotta yeah, go yeah, yeah. We gotta go. <laughs> <laughs> this episode was edited by Rob Anderson, the musician who made The Promenade, our opening and closing theme for season two of Welcome to St. Paxton. Find him on Twitter at Potentially Rob. This episode was produced by Hiroshi, and you can find him at Maybe Hiroshi. You can find the rest of the crew on Twitter as well. V is at Typical Veronica. Mike is at One Gaming Lane. Fred is at I Think I'm Fred. Steph is at Starlit Firefly. And you can find me at Definitely Stacy. As always, you can follow the show at CAF Podcast and find a permanent link to the Discord in our bio. The podcast art was created by Evan Mitchell. You can find out more about their ventures on the podcast For Whom the Dice Roll. Want to take a look at the clues, information, or photos the cast has stumbled upon during the recording? Head on over to our website at www.cafpodcast.com and click on the link labeled The Show at the top of the screen. If you want to help support the show, please share us with your friends on your preferred social media and leave us a five-star review on iTunes. You can also back us on Patreon by going to www.patreon.com slash podcast. If you enjoyed this podcast, you should check out some of the other Geekling shows, such as Greetings Adventurers, Brute Force, or Dear Internet. Hey everyone, it's Steph. I just wanted to stop for a moment and say how thankful I am to be a part of this show. It's such an amazing adventure. And I'm so thankful that we have people who support us on Patreon. People like Faith Miner. Faith, thank you so much for your support. You're awesome.